socialites and welcome back to the social studies podcast the podcast where i study being social by being social glad to have you guys here going to be even more glad to see you guys at the let's watch tv live taping this tuesday as you may or may not know mama fran and i have teamed up we're giving you the let's watch tv podcast each and every wednesday where we discuss the train wreck horrible mind-rotting television franchise, The Bachelorette. Uh, We're going to do a little season recap and also a preseason exclusive give you the tea on what we think with the new Bachelor season because Bachelor Matt, let's be real, there's a lot to talk about because that's a whole lot of man. Okay, so what is Let's Watch TV Live? Well, we record on Zoom because we're across the country, you know? What we're doing is we're inviting you to come in our Zoom room with us as we record a live episode of the podcast. And since you're in there with us, you can watch us interact and you're going to participate as well. You can ask us questions. You can chit-chat with us. You can give us some tea. You can give us some gossip. Whatever you got, we want to hear it. So it's almost like you're sitting in and watching the podcast and you're our guest. We want to see you there in our Zoom room on Tuesday, the 29th. It is open to our Patreon members. We are so grateful for our Patreon members. It is what keeps the podcast going. But here's the thing. It's open to all Patreon members. So you can join for $5 or you can join for 10 if you really want to support. Either way, you get access to Let's Watch TV Live. You get access to another comedy Zoom happy hour that we're doing later this month. And you get access to all of the content that's ever been posted there. All of the social studies bonus episodes that have been posted there, as well as bonus videos and some other goodies along the way. So go ahead and join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski, patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski, patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski, and we'll see you at Let's Watch TV Live, which is tomorrow. And if you're on the Patreon, you probably already know that I didn't get the librarian job. Shocking, shocker. I should have known that to begin with because like librarians and quietness kind of go hand in hand. And Joe and quietness are sort of like oil and water. So I didn't think that was going to work. But, however, it was a Christmas miracle. Open up my email on Christmas Eve. Bada boom, bada bing. Got an interview to teach kindergarten oh yeah this is my time to shine baby let's do it i have literally spent my entire career asking to teach kinder and they never let me for those of you who are teachers you know how it is you get put in one grade and then you're sort of stuck and they label you as oh you're an upper elementary person if you teach like third fourth or fifth or you teach k12 they're like you're a lower elementary person and it's harder for you to get into the upper elementary positions but here's my argument if that's the case why is my certificate k8 i can teach kindergarten and eighth grade with this certificate so just put me in coach let me teach kindergarten because i am going to you know boom chicka boom boom up that abc tree We are going to do the fundamentals of letter sound recognition, honey. And it's going to be everything. I'm going in and I'm going in with the mindset that I'm going to get this job. I'll keep you posted along the way. Keep your fingers crossed. I'll take all your thoughts and prayers and good vibes. Keep them coming. Mama's teaching kindergarten.
Today's episode is like the most perfect timing. I'm applying for kindergarten and I happen to have Sarah Krajewski, an amazing elementary school art teacher who teaches with a message of kindness, compassion, and emotion regulation. It's amazing. She has a brand new book out. I tell you about it. But instead of that, let's just listen to the Social Studies Podcast with Sarah Krajewski. Try to catch me howling at the moon. You guys, I am so excited to bring another teacher to you on the podcast. Welcome to the Social Studies Podcast, Sarah Krajewski. Hey, girl. Hey, hey, hey. I'm super psyched to be here with you, Mr. D. Let me ask you, let me ask you. So you, I butchered your name before we started this. It's Krajewski, but I said Krajewski, but mm-hmm. you changed the J to a Y. So you're very Polish? Well, so my my husband's Polish, but it's like it used to be Krajewski with a V and then they made the V into a Y and then it's like all soft and fancy. So it's like Krajewski. And I used to, my kids call me Mrs. K because like, hello, I'm not going to make first graders say Krajewski. Like, I don't even think they know what my last name is, honestly. (laughs) They're just like, if I'm not Mrs. K, then they have no idea. But um, yeah, it's, it is Polish, but I'm, I'm German and it's, it's a, (laughs) not an easy name at all I was in the same boat too because Dombrowski very Polish but I taught in a school at one time where it was 95% first generation Polish American students so all the students and their parents would call me Mr. Dombrowski and they would make (laughs) me say my name like that and then they're like I caught a couple of the moms talking one time they're like Mr. Dombrowski is Polish he just doesn't speak Polish it's like oh oh, okay lost lost all my street cred Mr. D, Miss K, like it's the, it's, you just got to accept that it's just going to be one letter and we're fine with that. Um, which means we were meant to be. And if that yeah. didn't prove it, what proved it is how we met. I know our meet cute, right? Okay. Everyone, I was hired to speak at, it was titled the Wisconsin teachers art, the Wisconsin art teachers. I'm going to say association. I don't know if that's right, but it was actually teachers from all over the country. Art teachers. Yeah. yeah. The Wisconsin it's, I mean, I can help you. I was attending the conference. You Google. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's the Wisconsin art educators association conference. So there was like, I don't know, six to 10 other States that were working together to create a virtual conference. So there was a bunch of states that were part of it, but it was like hosted by Wisconsin. So you were there as a special guest during like our, what was it like a Zoom giveaway party? It was, I was like the host of this thing. Now, where are you from? I'm from Wisconsin. You're in Wisconsin right now. I do love me some Wisconsin. Those cheese curds. You can't get, you can't go wrong with Wisconsin. We've got it all. Fresh cheese curds at the farmer's market in Madison at the Capitol building. That's where my heart stays forever. I mean, I just can't wait until that can happen again. But like, it's, you know, it's it's real. There's still cheese here. We can't not have cheese. Polish and a good Midwestern girl who loves cheese. Okay, we're getting (laughs) along. And okay, so the first thing too that I noticed too is your Instagram is for, I'm, I'm going to use the word obsessed. I am thoroughly obsessed with just, (laughs) one thing that I don't like is when people are fakely curated. Yours is like, curated to really truly who you are and a lot of it is like your art and the art that you do with your kids and it's so so cool and then I saw the banana earrings (laughs) see now you have to finish the story about how we met 
and we started talking. Go for it. Tell the people okay, I'm well, talking too much. I mean, no, it's good. So we were, he was, we were like hosting this online conference and um, we were all messaging in the chat and there's a bunch of art teachers just like, you know, making silly comments and we were just kind of chit chatting and everything. Um, and then I had started, I had like tagged you in a post and, you know, put RuPaul in it or whatever. And you were like, yes, you had me at hello. Right. <laughs> so um, we were, we kind of just messaged back and forth for like a second. And you were like swiping on my Instagram when you were supposed to be like hosting this virtual <laughs> conference. And you're like, I love these earrings. I love this Instagram. It's like, oh, Wait, I should be paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I like snap back into reality for a second and got there. But yes. Um, did you? Okay, you do clay jewelry, right? Yes. So um, my, the banana earrings that you're referring to are made from perler beads. If anybody knows what perler yes. beads are, like little iron on, um, like or iron, I don't know, beads, right? Like little On the little pegboard. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But my girl, Aaliyah, she's super talented. She makes these like amazingly high fashion perler bead earrings. I'm obsessed with them. So I have, I kid you not, like eight pairs of them and probably will get more. But I was wearing these big banana like perler bead earrings. So that's what caught your eye because hello, they're fabulous. They're like five inches tall. They're so, I literally, I'm, I'm obsessed. I used to have a perler bead necklace that said Lisa Frank, which I think I you would like. I love that so much. Like now <laughs> I feel like I have to do perler bead lessons with my students. Cause I, I feel like I've never really done it. Like maybe when I was, I don't know, eight for a second. And then it was it disappeared from my life. So it reignited my love of perler beads. You're already making me want to go back to school to be an art teacher. I mean, well, you got to just come back to be like an art student. You can just come hang out with me. Um, fun fact, I think I am going to go back. Oh, I saw that. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You know, I, I was sitting here and I was thinking about it and I was like, my whole tour is canceled. I have the rest of the school year and teachers are dropping like flies out of the school district here because a lot of teachers you know, don't want to put their families at risk or have an older member of their family who they don't want to have at risk. So they're quitting their jobs. And I'm like, it's a risky move, but I feel like I'm just sitting here with degrees that I, and certificates that I can use. So I'm going to do it. There's kindergarten position open down the street. So fingers yeah, crossed. Completely. Well, I'm sending you all the best vibes. And honestly, too, it's maybe this a perfect little situation because some of those positions might only go till the end of the school year. And it's like, you can just kind of test it out, see what's up. You know, you already know, you clearly know what you're doing. You're an amazing educator. So there's, there's no hesitation there. It's just a matter of like, what kind of world the uh, the pandemic teaching is. Now, are you teaching in person? You look like you're in your your classroom art room. I am. Yes, I am. So uh-huh. I've done um, all versions so far, which I'm sure we, I mean, a lot of us have, but we started the year um, in Wisconsin at my specific school um, in person. Um, and it would just, I teach at a K-5 school. So my younger kiddos were in person and I got to see them. Um, and I was art on a cart because it, you know, it rhymes super fun. I named my cart and gave him like googly eyes with these big, like pink eyelashes and he's fabulous. Um, so I roll Bart into the room and then we just make art from the cart. But then I transitioned to, um, I was doing some hybrid teaching because my younger kids were in person and then my third through fifth grade students were online. So I was teaching them online from my classroom and now, right now, I do have everybody in school with the exception of a virtual classroom at each grade level. So, for example, like a third grade class, there's, you know, four homerooms and one of them is virtual throughout the entire year and the rest are in person. So um, I'm, I'm 
all the things. <laughs> was there anything about um, teaching art online that like surprised you that was actually a positive thing? That's a really good question. I mean, honestly, I found myself when the pandemic first started in March of last year, I was basically, I turned into like a content creator for my students. I was like, went hard into my YouTube and I was just trying to like give them ideas, give them love, give them projects. You know, I would do sort of the routines that we always started our art class with, with our like positive affirmation mantra, I'd do a little meditation at the end and try to like give them love through the videos that I would create. So I feel like at the beginning, I was really focusing on just making good content for them. Um, and I think the more time has progressed, I, I think they just like want stuff, right? Like they just want things to do. My, I literally got an email from a fourth grade student who was like, hey, Miss K, I really love your Cool Beans videos. Can you please make some more? Question I'm in lowercase and I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that is so cute though. It was it was so cute. And then I was like, I'm gonna make more, but like I already feel like I'm being, you know, I'm being trolled to make sure I gotta like be on top of it. You gotta so, stop it up. Yeah, I know. I gotta keep gotta keep making it. Had you done any editing or made videos prior to the pandy, or was that a new skill for you? Um, I I guess I wouldn't say I had made none, but it was not like my main way of teaching or recording lessons for my students. Yeah. I probably had, I don't know, four videos on my YouTube channel at the beginning of the pandemic. And then just like, I, I somehow decided, oh, in March, let's release a new video every day, Sarah, because that's a normal thing people do. So by the end of the pandemic, like the end of last school year, I think I put up like 65 videos of like, quick and fun lessons with Mrs. K, which I'm really proud of them, but like, hello, girl. <laughs> Mrs. K, I do have to give you a little pro tip. I feel like I'd be a bad friend if I didn't say this. Tell me. Be sure to turn monetization settings on on those videos because the more those kids watch it, they're getting the ads that pop up and you're getting paid for that. Okay, okay, okay. Well, and see, part of it too was I started with barely anything on my YouTube and now, you know, I got a little bit of traction. So I feel like... I'll, I might have to just take that tip. That's, and then see, you can use that to put more art supplies. I always tell teachers to That's use true. social media to your advantage because we're dipping into our own pockets to buy it. Literally, I was literally today, I was going through Oriental Trading Co. And I was like, well, if I taught kindergarten, I would send the kids this to their house and I would send this to their <laughs> house. I'm already trying to spend all my money on these kids that I don't even know exist yet. But. <laughs> You're like, I know this kid wants this little treat. I think it's the my most fun game, which maybe you should tell me if you have an answer for this, is like, what is the weirdest thing you've bought for your classroom? Because sometimes I think about like what I spend money on. It's like this little item from the grocery store that I'm not going to ask for reimbursement because it's like four bucks, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll, like last week I was buying like dry beans for my classroom because we're making rain sticks. And I was like, uh, this is this is cool, but this is because I'm an art teacher. Like, what's a weird thing that you bought for your classroom? Also, I'm hmm. interviewing you now. Sorry. You know what? I actually love when when my podcast interviews go this way because it's. I just feel like it's more conversational and it's more fun for me. <laughs> I actually had a lot of classroom pets. So the weirdest thing that I ever had to buy for my classroom was frozen mice <gasps> because I had snakes. Ew. Yeah, like, I had you have names for them because I think yeah. names are really funny. Like you know my coping mechanism because I've named all the things in my classroom by this point. Right. Like, I have Zach the drying rack. I named our table. We have Mabel the table and Bart the art cart. Like my friend was like, I think you might have a problem, but it's fine, Sarah. If that's like what's gonna get you through. 
Because you're just you're the young kooky art teacher. Like I oh, all, so it's fine. I, I'm obsessed. <laughs> also, Zach the drying rack. That's yeah. is he behind you right now? Uh, no, this I'm in my studio at my house, so he's oh. in his face. But the one at school, he has like these nerdy glasses and he has braces, and I like write his name lack like a rack, so it's like Z A C K. Like Mabel is M A B L E because like it has to be Mabel the table. No, right. And okay, also, so this is cross curricular instruction too, by the yeah, way. Of course okay. it is. Okay. So then, um, my snakes. Yeah. I had two. So the one was a corn snake. If you are familiar, he had a really amazing pattern down his back. He was bright orange uh, with like white sort of diamonds on his back, and cool. his name was Gucci. And the joke was that he was going to become a purse. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a little dark, but I'm here for it. I mean, I like. So I taught, I was teaching fourth grade when we first got Gucci. Two funny things about Gucci. One, one of my students who I'll never forget couldn't say it. So he called him Coochie. It was was hysterical. And then the other one is um, Gucci. Like in that's when I started to teach them like humor. Like they were like, oh, he's not serious. He's not going to kill our snake. He's our teacher. They're going to turn it into a purse. So they were like, I was like, yeah, it's like, it's like humor guys. So I kind of got to teach them humor. And then I had a um, ball python, which was neon green. I'm talking like the green of that stripe behind you. And he had also bright white stripes and his name was Draco Malfoy. I love that. Yeah. Had, pretty cool. uh, we had some snails because I also really love snails, not in actuality, because if you really look at them, they're kind of disgusting, but I think that they're really weird and fun and I like the spiral shells, but I had some little snails in our classroom once and I had the kids name them. They had this like lottery of ideas. And so I had three snails and one was named Granny, um, but snails don't necessarily live like a super long time, especially if you're me and you just like, I don't know, what do you give to snails when they're just snails, right? Like snails. Right. Lettuce? I don't know. I t- well, they were like aqua snails. So they were in water, like a fish tank. Huh. Either way, they like pretty much all died. So after school one day, I'm like dumping the shell in the sink and this like <laughs> blobular snail body is in the sink. I felt like a terrible person. So then they're like, where's granny the snail? And where's, you know, spongy or whatever. And I'm like, uh, they're taking a break. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. I won't tell PETA on you. Okay. Well, don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to know. So then I met you. We immediately became buds. You came to the Zoom happy hour a couple months ago, which was a lot of fun. And then I realized that you also have a book out, which is pretty incredible. It's called Exactly You, The Shape of Your Feelings. And you also did all the artwork for it. Yes. Can yes, you tell tell us more about the book? I'm like, I, I honest, I purposely didn't look too deep into it because I want to like be asking you on the pod. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I'm actually, it, it's kind of interesting because I had wanted to write a book for a long time and I had connected with a publisher that was super close to me. They were nearby. So I had kind of started a conversation with them, honestly, a few years ago. And we had gone back and forth a bit and I had this idea Um, still ironically, not the idea that the book is because the idea is a little bit more complex printing wise. So when the pandemic hit us and I was working from home and I quote unquote had more time on my hands, which like, what does that mean? Like 
is depression, you know, when depression fills up 85% of your day and you're like, do I have more time on my hands? But anyways, right. So, um, my publishers reached out to me and they were like, Hey, why don't you just kind of like get your ideas out to create a book, right? Don't think about it being so complicated. What do you have on your mind? What do you want to create? So I've always, um, tried to be a really huge advocate for talking about feelings, um, and talking about big feelings with my students and trying to advocate for those conversations. So within the book, the words anxiety and depression and confidence show up. So really trying to like give my students the actual word for the things that they might be feeling and then trying to give them some really beautiful ways to look at those feelings too. So I started storyboarding the idea in the beginning of March. I, um, you know, gave the idea to my publisher and they were like, yep, go for it, run with it. So then I created these really colorful collage paintings. I use um, like interior house paint and um, like flat spray paint and all sorts of crazy stuff when I do my paintings. And I created some collages and then I used my iPad to create digital text on top of it too. So all the writing in the book is mine as well, um, like in my own handwriting. So it's basically a book that is kind of like a self-affirming book about the fact that all the feelings that we have are normal and to try to identify what those are. Um, and I wanted kids to, kids and adults, honestly, <laughs> to feel like the way that they were, the way that they feel things is okay and it's normal and it's beautiful. So on the back of the book, it says your feelings are a beautiful masterpiece and it's basically like a combination of art and social emotional learning and a way to remind kids and adults that it's okay to feel weird. It's okay to be anxious, to be depressed, to feel like you're not being confident because that's what makes you, you. The first thing that stands out to me about this, and it's so incredible. I hate when it's, it, it's everybody's fault. Like we all make this mistake, but I really just like when parents use like baby words or like fake words, or sometimes even they call it like a family word to describe these different things. And if your child is ever in like crisis and they're not with you and they need to explain these things that are happening, they're not going to be able to explain them appropriately. And people are going to exploit and take advantage of that situation. And I'm just talking about adults, like other kids, yes. you know, along the way. So that's so amazing that you actually like took the steps to think about that and do that. You. Yeah, I honestly, I hesitated a lot. I actually read the book out loud to my therapist during one of our appointments. Like I had it all sketched up on my iPad. I was like, yo, can I just read this too quick? Like, is this appropriate? Is this okay? Because I do, I talk about depression kind of feeling like you live under a storm cloud or that you're asleep even when you're awake and that anxiety feels like you're filled with scribbles and not. So trying to make it feel like this is a potential way to relate to those bigger feelings, but saying what the feelings are, you know what I mean? Like to have that stuff in a kid's book it's really important because I've, I've had anxiety my entire life. And I think that identifying that and realizing it, that it can make you stronger is empowering. Right. And so I want my kids to be able to start those conversations. And another part of the book that I'm probably most proud of besides the book itself is the back page of the book. There's a double spread with lesson ideas because hello, you know, I'm a teacher. I want to give content to my, to my fellow educators and parents and little ones that are getting the book. So I have a bunch of lesson plans in there about um, one of my favorite ones is called the circle of control. And it's teaching kids to create basically this scribbly, beautiful, abstract piece of art, cut out a circle from it, and then identify what can you control, what's in your circle of control and what's outside of it. So I did that lesson with my kids 
And it was like incredibly powerful. We were talking about like, can you control the future? Can you control the pandemic? Can you control someone's actions? It was like, whoa, crazy, awesome conversations just inspired by giving the kids those tools and the terminology to have that conversation. And have you done some of those lessons firsthand in the classroom? Yeah, I have. Um, the circle of control is my favorite one. Um, and I actually- Oh, so you were just talking to me about personal experience. That I thought you weren't just explaining it. You did that with your students. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah, so that's one of the lessons in the back of the book. And I, I actually did that one virtually just because that's the model we happened to be in at the time. But it was super fun because the kids, it was like an interactive lesson too. So they like made this scribbly crazy paper Um, And that was like our anxiety paper or our feeling paper. And we kind of just got all our knots and scribbles out on our paper. And then we cut out a circle from the middle and I would be like, okay, hold up your circle. If you think the answer to this question is that it's in your circle of control. So I'd start super easy and be like, can you control the weather? And they'd all hold up like the outside scrap of the circle, meaning like, no, it's outside my circle of control. Right. And then I'd be like, can you control your thoughts? And they'd be like, yeah. And then I do like, can you control the way you react to someone's thoughts? Whatever, you get the idea. So then like, they're holding up their examples. Sometimes they're holding up both. It was like sparking this amazing conversation just about what you can control because this is, that is a huge part of what's happening with our kids right now and probably forever. I also love it too, because when my last year of teaching, I did a lot of PD on restorative justice and the importance of not just letting students have a consequence, but to guide them through the consequence. So they understand like what happened, why it happened and why the consequence is happening and just like talking about those things. And so many times when we don't use okay, restorative justice is also not, not giving a consequence. You still give the consequence because students need to learn there's, you know, cause and effect. But this would be something that I could see myself using in the classroom too, to use with especially, you know, lower L, especially when it comes to um, restorative justice, because it would help them visualize what it is that they felt at that time that resulted the way that it resulted. So that's another way that teachers could use it for sure. Oh, completely, completely. And I think that's, I mean, again, that's just one of my most favorite lessons. There's a couple of other ones about just listing like the things that make you happy and trying to find like the things that bring you joy and love. Um, I talk about like kindness in the book. I just wrote down, like when I was brainstorming ideas for the book, I just wrote down all of the character traits and all of the words that I was like, I want to talk about these. So I just like shoved them into one book, yeah. which I love. But like at this point, I'm like, oh, I should probably do like a few more books that are like really honed in on a few topics. But um, I, I love having that conversation with kids because then it just brings that vocabulary into your classroom. So even today, you know, I had a kiddo uh, that was, we have these like circle spots and I try to tape them out because life is weird now. So I like taped all these spots and I had a kiddo that was just kind of like, you know how like kids just move a lot? Oh yeah. Move, right. And so I was like, okay, we can wiggle our hands in our lap. We can wiggle our toes in our shoes. Right. So we're not distracting our friends. And I said, right now we're practicing what's in our circle of control. And all of a sudden, like it changes because that's part of a vocabulary. Right. So those kids are hearing something that we've already talked about Now they're thinking like, oh, is this something I can control or is it something that like I can't do anything about? You know what I mean? Yeah. The options are endless, really. Oh my gosh. Yes. So where can people pick up the book? Uh, There are many places. It is on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. And one of my favorite places for you to support is just to go to my publisher. So if you just, honestly, if you just go to my Instagram and just click in my Instagram at Art Room Glitter Fairy, 
uh, it'll bring you to my website and all the options for buying there. So my publisher is Orange Hat Publishing, local to me, and they have been doing an amazing job trying to keep up with all the <laughs> all the orders, which is really awesome. So um, yes, or honestly, just just search uh, artroomglitterfairy.com and you can find the links there to purchase my book as well. And so you guys hear the title again. It's exactly you, the shape of your feelings. The You'll see there's some little teasers to the book too. If you go on Sarah's Instagram, you'll start to see a little bit and you can see students with it too, which is pretty, pretty neat. Um, uh, and that's where people can find the book and they can find you as Art Room Glitter Fairy on the Instagrams. Yes, on the grams, yes. <laughs> I love it. Sarah, Thank you so much for joining me today. This is literally incredible. I love connecting with teachers who have amazing personalities and are doing great things. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us today. Absolutely. And hopefully you'll be able to be part of that that weird teacher group that is teaching during the pandemic too. I mean, like I still consider you that anyways, because you know what's up, right? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but hopefully a welcome to the crew. <laughs> Fing- fingers crossed. All right, Sarah, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Social Studies Podcast. I am so appreciative of each and every one of you. Again, if you want to join Let's Watch TV live tomorrow, you can go ahead and join us on the Patreon for 5 or $10. That's patreon.com slash Jodombrowski. Patreon.com slash Jodombrowski. Patreon.com slash Jodombrowski. I love you guys so much and we'll see you next week. Bye. Try to catch me howling at the moon.